Um, Mark and Andy and I talked about this series probably about three months ago. It's been a while now. Um, you know, we were kind of praying and discussing what needed, you know, what we kind of felt we should be going into after our series on James. And so a few weeks after we decided the We Are Family series was happening, um, I, uh, I kind of was signed or chose, more or less, the, the message on generosity uh, because it's something I'm passionate about and I just love the topic. Um, and so I've known for a few weeks, I've been you know, diving into the scriptures, I've been kind of deciding what, uh, what God wanted to say about generosity um, at Impact Rock Church. And so as I've been going, I've been kind of observing. I've been observing people. And I've also been observing my kids. And um, my five-year-old, Caleb, um, strangely, he's, he's five, and he doesn't all the way understand the concept of generosity, which I know is crazy. I mean, how many of you are parents? All right, how many of you taught your kid to be selfish? Andy did. Um, we, we, we teach them generosity, right? We teach them, you know, the ways of Christ. But we're born innately sinners. You know, they... They learn at like two years old. They, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. How do you know that already? Just tell me the truth for a little bit longer. Um, but anyway, this one day, um, Caleb in the morning was playing with his Legos. He loves his Legos. It's like his favorite toy. That's all he asked for his birthday. Um, his grandparents, two of them here, um, got him Legos. You know, so I mean, he just is loving playing with Legos. And Hudson, he wants to share in this experience of Legos. But Hudson's two. He's too young for that. He's not quite ready for it yet. So we say, Caleb, Legos are yours. That's right. Um, but you need to find a way to be a blessing to Hudson. You need to find a way to you know, share your toys with Hudson. And so he nods. Um, and then about five minutes later, Hudson had gone upstairs because he was sad. And so he went to the playroom. And he was playing with Caleb's R2-D2 toy. And Kendra is in the next room and just is like, are you playing with R2-D2, Hudson? And it was just, you know, fun, playing, whatever. And Caleb bolts. Caleb bolts upstairs and grabs R2-D2 out of Hudson's hands. And there's tears and there's, you know, we're having to discipline Caleb and I'm, I'm frustrated. Um, because he's not, he's not willing to, you know, he's so excited about the thing that's right in front of him. But then the minute, you know, someone wants to share with him, He's like, uh-uh, I'm not sharing. I am not sharing what I have. That's mine. I deserve that. I was given that. Um, and I think that's not so far from the way that we approach our lives sometimes with just what's ours. I was given that. I own that. I deserve that. Um, and so it was just fun to, I mean, see see that. I mean, I, I know one day Caleb is going to you know mature in, in generosity, but um, it did make me think, how mature am I? How mature are we when it comes to generosity? So I felt strongly um, that God wanted to lay a base um, for what we deserve tonight. Um, and then kind of move on to uh, be generous. But um, we deserve death. That's a very blunt way to start a message. But we deserve death. Um, that's Romans 6.23 the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The wages, what, you, what you're supposed to receive for your work, what you receive for what we've done is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in Psalm 103.10, it says, He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
um, we deserve nothing. And that's just laid out in these two verses. But that's something that the early church, that's something that the Acts 2 church that we keep talking about, the first one is the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Um, that's something they got. Because just to, again, lay the context of, of the Acts 2 passage that we've been talking about, um, many of the people in that Acts 2 church saw Jesus. Many of them touched his scars after he died. They tangibly had touched Jesus. They tangibly had seen him and the miracle that was his gift from our Father. It was tangible. And so they understood. They understood it was it was absolutely like apparent to them. The old law was gone. The veil was broken. And they had a new gift from their generous daddy. It was tangible. And so as we go into the Acts 2 church, just just you know, think about the fact that they had nothing on their mind except for the fact that they have been given the ultimate gift, saving them from death in Jesus. So let's read through this passage in Acts 2 again. Um, it says uh, in Acts 2, 24, or 42 through 47, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They couldn't help themselves. They couldn't help themselves but be excited and generous. I mean, if someone in their fellowship, in their you know, town, whatever, was in need, I don't think any one of them were like, oh, I'm going to check the ledger, I'm going to go home and see if I can... It was no, it was, I'm going to be generous because I already have the ultimate like reminder, the ultimate um, sign of what generosity is in Jesus. I can't help myself because Jesus... Save the price of death. I mean, just think about it for a second. If we, if someone came to you and said, um, you're not going to die as long as you come up with $2.5 million, I think I'd probably try and come up with $2.5 million, right? But that price, that ultimate price for death was paid. And so therefore, we have no excuse. That church had no excuse but to be generous with all they had because the ultimate price had just been paid. So Andy talked last week about how we have to be united in vision. And he used the example of, of the tug of war, right? Where there's you know two groups of people, they're all exerting all this energy, but they're, they're going in opposite directions. And they just tired out. Um, in this case, a deep sense of awe over them all. It doesn't say some of them. It doesn't say a few of them. All of them have this deep sense of awe. The Holy Spirit had just descended on them. And they had this deep sense of awe, and they were united in just being overly generous with everybody. And from that came salvations. Jesus laid down his life so we could be set free. And part of that freedom in- includes not trusting the world to be taken care of. And I think that's partly why 
their numbers increased. That's why the salvations increased because the people around them saw they were different. So I'm here today uh, to tell you all that we need to sell all of our possessions and meet here every day. Um, and no, that's that's not the point of the passage. Um, the point from that passage is that when we focus on him, we shouldn't be able to help ourselves but be generous to those who are around us. So why aren't we all the time? Um, I think I, I think our church does a pretty good job of being generous. We do we do some really generous things. We make sure that we have the brown bag ministry and we have Erie Uplink and we're quick to step in when someone in our church is in need. But I don't know if you would go around Erie, you'd ask, you know, what's Impact Rock Church known for? They may say, what's Impact Rock Church? And two, they wouldn't really know what we're known for because we just haven't, we, we haven't really stepped out into the community much. We haven't penetrated the, the, the market of Erie much at this point. Uh, but I think that our hearts are there. We've been, we've been loving on others like crazy and, and bringing meals. And um, I, I don't want to start this off by saying we're not being generous. But I think that having a godly sense of how generous we should be is what God wants us to focus on. Um, so we get, we get distracted. We get distracted. And Paul knew that. Paul knew we were going to get distracted. And the immediacy of Jesus' death, even though, the, again, they touched scars. They touched the scars. Paul knew that that immediacy, that tangible uh, nature of Jesus was going to wear off. And because of that, Paul gave a pretty awesome farewell address that I want to go over. And so again, to kind of give the context of this farewell address, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, right? He wrote um, all the letters, you know, from you know Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, First, um, Second Timothy, etc. He wrote lots of the books of the Bible. But before he wrote those letters, he was actually planting churches in different cities around the area. And so one of the churches he planted was the church in Ephesus. So for three years, Paul got to spend every day with the people in Ephesus. Every day, showing them how to live, how to serve, how to be generous. He showed them how to live in this new covenant, right? And so after three years, Paul said, it's time for me to leave. And this whole passage that I'm about to read, it seriously is his farewell address. After this passage, it says Paul got on a boat, there was weeping, and they never saw him again. So these are the last words of Paul. So you think Paul probably would want to say something important with this farewell address, right? Probably. Um, so let's let's dive in um, to, to Acts 20, 32. This is, again, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. It says, And now I entrust you to God, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are around me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So again, after this, he got on the boat. That was it. You know, he eventually wrote a letter to Ephesus. But um, those were the final words of Paul to the church that he spent three years with. And there's two important points that I think we all need to take away from this pa- passage. 
First one, the message of his grace is able to build you up. The message of his grace is able to build you up. That's the foundation that we talked about at the beginning. We don't deserve anything. But the message of grace, the grace that Jesus had for us, is able to build us up. And then the second point from that is live generously. That's the whole second part of that 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 whole passage is live generously. And I mean this this actually isn't just in, you know, Acts that Paul talks about this. We're going to get to that in a second, but Paul worked hard. He never coveted. Instead, he worked hard to supply the needs of not only himself but those who were around him. He Paul he warns the Ephesians about materialism and greed. He says, "Don't desire other people's stuff." Work hard. Be generous with the poor. These are the things I have modeled for you. Well, why do you think Paul focused on all this? Why do you think Paul focused on materialism? Why do you think he focused on putting others before yourself and it's more blessed to give than receive? Because who here thinks they're greedy? There's a couple. There's a reason there's so many verses about money in the Bible. There's a reason. It's because we don't think we're greedy. <laughs> we 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 think we're we think we're just got it made. And when it comes to money, we 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 don't think we're greedy. Maybe we need to start with a hypoth- hypothesis that we're like Caleb. We're inherently greedy until we're proving it otherwise. So I feel God wants us to take some practical things to, to think about in terms of generosity. Um, but, again, just that thought about you know the sins that we do actually repent of. You know, I murdered a guy the other day. I repented of that. that that's something you definitely want to repent of. And, you know, I lied to my wife about what I did in Vegas. That's, that, you know, that's definitely something that... And what I did in Vegas, that also was actually sin as well. And, you know, those are the obvious ones, right? Um, no, but like sexual sin and 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 lying and anger and all those things. Those are the sins that we that we focus on. Um, I didn't really murder anyone. Good grief, all of y'all! Just look on my face or your face. Um, if you've murdered anyone, we should talk. But anyway, um, so just again, those are the obvious ones, right? So that's why there's so many verses in the Bible about money, because it's not as obvious. It's not something that we check ourselves on as much. So there's two areas that I really want to hammer home tonight. Two main areas when it comes to how to think about money and how that leads to generosity. The first, stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about the future. In this country... And it's probably not just this country. It's probably other countries. But we are inundated every day with investment ads and and different you know life um, life insurance companies and and all of these messages and every single one of them they're saying you need to be in control of your finances. You need to know where your money's going to go. Do you know if 1.5 million is going to be enough when you're 65? Maybe it needs to be 2 million. You need to figure that out because you need to be in control of your finances. And we have 
to a certain extent, our society's adopted that, that we are in charge of our finances, that we need to control all of that. In fact, the investment brokerage category has spent $530 million in TV ads this year because they know, and they're making profit on that, because they know that they can tell you that you need that. And I'm not saying 401ks are bad. I'm not saying savings accounts are bad, but... Let's let's talk about this a little bit. Paul finishes a lot of his letters, just like he did in Acts when he left the church in Ephesus, talking about money, talking about what you should do with money. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, he says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 401ks are good. Saving accounts are good. Life insurance is good. All these things saving for the future are good, but not if they come at the expense of living a generous life. I could do a whole message on saving. I don't want to get you guys, you guys get me wrong. I love teaching on savings. I, I'm passionate about helping people really understand how to have balance in their finances and make sure that they're, you know, not only you know obeying the tithe, but also making sure that you're set up for the future. But it's not in our power that we save up for the future. It's in us looking to God and believing that He is going to provide for our future that we then prepare for the future. So I, I'm going to take I'm going to take it a step further here. If you're tithing and you think that you've checked off the box when it comes to generosity, you're doing it wrong. Tithing is being obedient to what God has asked us to do. Tithing is being obedient to what God wants us to do. It's being obedient and saying, God, I accept your protection. He talks about in Malachi about you know. He rebukes the devourer on our behalf with tithing. That's being obedient. That's right. And Jesus addresses this directly in Luke. Luke 11.42 says, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Don't neglect the love of God. Don't neglect storing up your treasures in heaven that Jesus talks so much about. Still tithe, but don't act as if you're, you know, all that because you tithe. That's you being obedient. Move on and continue to move forward with what God wants in your life. So if you're reading in the Bible about being generous, especially in the many ways that Paul talked about tithing, and think, I'm tithing, I'm good, I'm good. That's not it. We tithe because we're obedient, and we should be generous because we can't help ourselves to be generous. And then Jesus, in the next chapter, in Luke 12, gives a a parable, and he says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. And he's 
said, I know, I'll tear down my barn and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods, and then I'll be able to sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. It doesn't say, don't be wealthy. It doesn't say having blessing and abundance is wrong. It says you have to have that rich relationship with God. I mean, it's it's a silly question, but I mean, what really is more rewarding? What's going to return more for you? A 401k or a life of generosity to our Savior? It can be both, but one can't be, you know, a focus of ours without also focusing on the other first. So yeah, let's stop worrying about the future. And just think about how much, I mean, how much time we spend worrying if we're going to have this and that and oh, are we going to, you know, 10 years from now we've got college coming up and all that's good, but again, it's worry. We shouldn't have to worry about the future because we've got our daddy who only wants to shower blessing upon us. Our daddy's not going to let us suffer. Our daddy's not going to let us, you know, not get taken care of, especially when we are generous as he's asked us to. So let's focus on him. Let's focus on him instead of worrying about the future. And the second part of that, the the second big point about being generous and how we can kind of lead towards being generous is just trusting in his promises. It's a little bit of a task going through the Bible and trying to, you know, ask God which verses in on money, he actually wants to use in a sermon on money because there's 2,000 verses on money. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, I've already talked about Paul's farewell address and how he ended it with, it's better to give than to receive. But just a simple thought. A simple thought. Is God more likely to shower blessings on someone who's going to outpour those blessings and give those blessings to others? Or is he more likely to shower blessing on someone who just takes it and says, thank you, it's mine? That answer is in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, which I absolutely love these verses. So um, it says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God lives, loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide you all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Boom! That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's life right there. Like that, that's, that's the best kind of cycle, right? That's the best kind of cycle. Where you're being generous, God sees your generosity, and he sees that, and he promises here, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He sees your generosity, he gives you more. You are able to give more, and he gives you more. It's just, it's that easy of a cycle, you know, when you just let God and what he says about generosity, like, change the way that we do life. 
It just takes a heart change, you know? It takes us actually stepping back and thinking about who am I trusting to take care of me? Am I saying, I have, I, I've done all of this. I have this great job. It pays me well. I've done the work to get there. And, and I kind of deserve the fruits of those labor, of that, of that labor. Or are we saying, God, thank you so much for giving me the ability to do the work that I do. Thank you so much for just blessing me and, and let me know where I can be a blessing to others because you have blessed me so much. That, that's the difference deserve it. It's his. It's all his. So, um, I remembered a story in the Bible um, as I was preparing this message about um, the young, rich ruler. Uh, It was early in Jesus' ministry. And um, this rich man comes up to Jesus and is like, you know, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And, you know, Jesus says, well, here's all the laws. You know, don't you know, murder, don't commit adultery, all of, all of those. And the young leader, again, just like, I want, I want to enter the kingdom. I want to follow you. He says, I've done all that since my youth. I've done all those things. And then Jesus, when I remember the story, when I remember the story, I, I kind of had this thought that Jesus was like, drop everything, follow me. Just kind of... I don't know. I kind of, for whatever reason, when I remembered the story, I just kind of had always envisioned Jesus being very orderly and being like, this is an order. This is exactly what you need to do, so do it now. Um, But God directed me towards um, Mark's version of the story. Um, And he was right there. You know, oftentimes in the Gospels, there's there's different points of view. So there's a little bit of a different verbiage in different books. So I just want to, you know, read how Mark talked about this, this situation. Um, so again, this, this ruler said in Mark 10.20, Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus looked at him and said, I want you to follow me. It's like, please, please, I want you to follow me. And said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this man's face fell. He went away sad for he had many possessions. That had to have broken Jesus' heart <laughs> right then and there. He, he wanted that man to follow him. He, didn't, he wasn't giving him a blunt order. He said, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. I know that you are rich on this world. Rich by earthly means. I can give you so much more. I can give you so much more value. I can give you such a more fulfilled life. Just stop focusing on all of your earthly treasures and it'll be, it'll be given to you. You know, this dude, he's never in the Bible again. He's never in the Bible again. I'd like to hope that he got it. I like to hope that he actually he received the message and eventually did all this because I can only imagine this rich man, you know, out of the blue, selling all of his possessions and giving to the poor and letting everyone know that there's treasures to be stored in heaven instead of here on earth. I, I hope he did. I don't know. Maybe he did. Um, but the point is, we all kind of think about that and we're like, I, that guy had to drop everything 
all that would have been returned to him more if he would have just been obedient to his daddy. So those two things. Stop worrying about the future. Stop wondering how far your, your dollar needs to go years from now. And then also just trust in the promises that God has. Trust the promises that were laid out in Second Corinthians. And you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So once that's kind of the foundation, again, just backtracking really quick. We deserve nothing. We have the ultimate sign of generosity in God's gift in Jesus. And we have promises, just galore in the Bible, when we actually give Him our finances, when we give Him and put Him first in everything that we do. So, uh, how should you be generous? I don't know. I don't know how you should be generous. I'm, I, I don't have your relationship with God. You should talk to Him. Talk to Him about how you can be generous. And all this time, by the way, you know, I've been talking about money a lot. It's talked about in the Bible. Um, you can be generous with your time. That may be something that God wants from you. Be generous with your time. Babysit for that family who hasn't had a date forever for free. Just say, hey, I, I see you guys just need some time off. Just just have a date. Go mow a neighbor's yard. You know, even take five minutes out of your day. Call up a brother that you haven't talked to in a while and just say, hey, I was thinking about you. How you doing? God loves you. That's that's being generous. That's putting others before yourself. I mean, think about that time. I mean, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have had that experience where someone unexpectedly buys you a meal or unexpectedly brings you, I don't know, double stuff Oreos. Mark and I were paid to mention Oreos as much as possible <laughs> in our in our in our messages. So, um but just think about how nice that feels. Just think about that 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 good feeling, and that should drive us to want to do that to others. You know, I mean, that should just innately want make us want to be generous with others. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how how God wants us to be generous, or how He wants you to be generous. But it could be with your time. There's so many ways to be generous with your time. But then just be generous with your money, guys. Be generous with your money. Mark said it before in other messages. But if I was to follow the money trail in your bank account, I'd be able to see what you really value. That's that's something that we've said a lot. And but it's true. If you value clothes, you're gonna buy clothes. If you value hops, you're gonna buy good beer. If you value Handbags. You're going to buy handbags. There's things that you value that you spend money easier on than other things. For Kendra and I, we love food. We love food. And we're so excited about the sushi trip that we get to have. And seriously. Yes. yes. But so Kendra and I, we, we are a little more apt to splurge when it comes to food than it would say clothing. This is the first shirt I've bought in like six months. I just, I just don't, I, I just don't think about that. That's not something that you know, is not as much of an importance to me. But food is important. Beer is important. I love buying you know, quality food and quality beer. Uh, but the thing is, I can, I can find ways to bless others in that desire, in, in, in those loves. I can invite someone here and pay for their meal. I can, and I want to go out and get Chinese. I can say, you know what? 
I'm going to have leftovers tonight, and I'm going to put that $25 away and figure out some way to use it elsewhere. There's little decisions. And I'm not saying that needs to be you, but I'm just saying think about the easy things that you spend money on and ask yourself, am I easily furthering his kingdom with my money as well? You know, I mean, there has to be that balance. Um, yeah, maybe it's maybe you need to put a giving bucket into your budget. Just every month, decide $50 and say, God, I'm putting this aside. Do with it as you'd like. I want to be generous. It can be that. I mean, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So, um, as Mike mentioned in announcements, we um, we did we passed the bucket today. That's the first time in four plus years at Impact Rock Church that we've ever passed a plate at at Impact Rock Church. First time ever. Um, and we also, you know, have that new giving station that's over there. Uh, we're going to have a second giving station. Uh, we have envelopes on every seat. We're doing all this because we want to make giving easy. We don't want the devil to have any way, shape, or form to keep you from... Maybe it's that walk over there. They're just like, you know what? I I could probably use that money for something else. You are reminded of just the many different ways you can give. And it should just be easy. It should be something that you guys take pride in and pleasure in. It's just giving to our Lord. And, and so... This isn't us as a church saying, we need more money. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. But it's a course correction. Us as leadership have done this church a disservice by not focusing more on giving. It is a thing that is talked about more in the Bible than any other thing. And yet we talk about it for a second at the beginning of the service. We fully believe in the blessing that comes from being a generous, awesome, giving people. And so that's what we want for you. That's what we want for this church. So, Brian, you want to come up? So, next week, Kara is going to be closing out this message. Um, this sermon series, I guess I should say. Likely. I mean, who knows? Maybe you need two or three weeks. But there's a good chance that Kara is going to be... Um, closing this up next week with a talk on community. Um, and so I, I just want you all to dream with me for a second. Dream with me about what this church could be. Dream with me about what it could be like if we were just innately generous. That when there is a food drive in Erie, that institution knows that there's going to be seven people from Impact Rock Church there because they can't help themselves. When Erie Uplink gets their donations, they are just amazed at how generous Impact Rock Church is. Just dream with me for a second. Because we talk all the time. Prayer Wednesday nights, we pray the prayer a lot. God, bring unbelievers into our into our midst. Let us further your kingdom. Let us grow your kingdom. But are we leaving a gap for us to actually be able to like jump on that opportunity when God gives it to us? Are we living out generous lives? Are we are we putting others first? Are we at the grocery store thinking about how we can be a blessing? Or are we thinking about how we need to get this, 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 and this done? One of the cooler um, things that we had happen at the men's advance um, last week is uh, 
just singing the song 10,000 Reasons with my brothers. Um, God actually gave Wilco a, a vision of us all singing on a pirate ship. And we're all, you know, you know, saying R in between every single, uh, every single verse. But um, there's, there, there's a verse in that song that says, um, a new, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again. And then that verse ends with, let me be singing when the evening comes. Let this day, let my life be about you. If, if we really want to grow the kingdom, if we really want to, others to share in the amazing gift that was Jesus, we have to have generous hearts. That means our money. That means our time. That means every day. Because aren't we pretty happy that we're not dying, <laughs> that we're going to heaven? <laughs> I know I am. I really wish when Caleb when Caleb heard Hudson upstairs playing with his toy, I really wish Caleb would have been like, that's my brother, and he is so joyful right now because he has a toy of mine. And that, that just, that gives me joy. It's that. But he's five. The thing is, he gets it when he gets it. However many years. And when his life is about being generous. How proud, how proud am I going to be? As his I'm just going to be proud. Because he's God. Out, he's living life the way that he's supposed to live. How much prouder is God of us when we step into that? When we hit it, when we strive to figure out ways to be generous, ways to take care of ourselves. I mean, I can only think about how proud I'm going to be as a daddy. He's prouder. Paul's words, guys. Focus on the grace Jesus had for you. Church years ago. You were seeing you here and you are. It's not actually in the scripture, but I can only imagine all the they were seeing. They were just in awe of our daddy. That father is just as tangible today as he was two thousand years ago. We have to grab on. 